I'm controlled by a call and obedience to the Most High and finish my course by the time I die. Amen? Amen. I've been overseas, or overseas, I've been at home in America, which is overseas for here. Uh, some of you uh, may be aware or may not be aware that we had a, a challenge with my mother's health. Her heart valve uh, was not working right, and they wanted to go in and open her up and fix it. And so uh, I went home. There's only three of us in our family, or really four. Uh, my sister, her husband, myself, and my mother. So uh, when one of us has a crisis, we all go to the rescue. Uh, it's called God family and then ministry, not God ministering family. Got to keep the right priorities so you have a happy family. Amen. Uh, you haven't lost your amen since I've been gone, right? So um, uh, Pastor Colin and the team here and the board allowed me to, to go home and to help take care of uh, the situation and to give mom a rest from my office and do so much. So we were heading for the operation and then the doctors got in an argument because uh, they saw a little change in my mother's heart valve and it wasn't a total change of a perfect, but it was enough change where the two doctors got upset at each other. They got arguing. One wanted to go ahead. My mother's 70 years old. And if you're watching, I'm sorry I told your age. But um, uh, she don't act 70 or look 70. But they said, she's 70 and she's healthy. All but this, let's go ahead and do it. Because if you wait and she's at 80, she may not be this healthy. Well, I don't like that doctor. Uh, and um, the other doctor says, well, we don't want to do this kind of surgery unless we have to. And so they finally came to us and said, we can either do it or we can wait. And so we were relieving for a no-operation miracle. It's what we were believing for. So we got about half of it. So we're on a three-month wait. They're going to wait and keep testing every month to see if the heart valve gets better or what happens. And we're believing it's going to get better and all the way to a miracle. So um, we're very happy for that first report. And so if you'll keep praying for my mother and for us, we're going to take her heart all the way to the heavenly hospital. That's called no money and no operation required. Amen. You still believe in miracles? I do, and he does them all the time. Amen? Now, uh, I'm um, going to be doing a night course here in the evening school. Have you heard we have an evening school now? Yes. See, you all used to complain when I first came here. We can't come to the day school. We can't come to the day school. All right, we've got an evening school now. So all you complainers need to come to evening school. Pastor Bruce, now he mentioned it to you, but I want to mention it a little bit again too, that I'm going to be teaching the God's Generals course in the evening class. Now, what you learn in that course is going to be a lot more than what you hear me talk about on, on the platform in a sermon. We studied the lives of different individuals, good, bad, and different. And the first revelation you'll get, that means there's hope for you. Because everybody great was weird like you sometimes. Amen? Or did something kooky like you've done in your life. And God still did the same thing to them as he's going to do for you. Amen. Forgive you, fix you, call you, place you, and give it to you anyway. Amen? Amen? But when you know what God has done, then you can be strong with what God's going to do through you. And you don't have to apologize for your life. You just live your life and let the critics uh, eat your dust. Amen. Amen? And then we also study how the gift of God works in a human vessel. Paul said it this way, that we have this great treasure in an earthen vessel. How did the healing gift that lived in Catherine Kuhlman work? How did it work and how did her natural life around that gift operate? What were the challenges, the pros and cons? And we go through all their life stories and all the spiritual dimensions to, to give you a foundation so you can be better than these guys. Yeah. 
and skip their mistakes and hit a bigger bullseye with your obedience. Amen. And right now in the world, we need some new preachers. We need some new revivalists. We need some new church planners that are upset of the devil, happy with God, and loving people. And uh, we'll apologize for how God called them, how God gave them the message he gave them. And if the world don't like it, it's their problem. Are you still here? You can't treat the devil nice. If you treat him nice, he'll take up a room in your house. If you treat him too nice, he'll control your house. If you treat him even nicer than that, he'll kill you. Because the devil's a murderer. There's three things the devil does. His nature, the Bible tells us in John 10, 10, he's a thief, he's a destroyer, a destroyer and he's a killer. Now, <clears throat> the only time that sin looks pretty is as long as you're not addicted to it. As soon as you can't walk away from your sin, that's the day that sin's pleasure season ends. So a lot of times we don't realize that the devil tempts us with uh, nice little things and it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, until you can't walk away freely. And so God's word and coming to a church like this gives you the power to become the devil's nightmare. Amen. Amen. You make the devil a believer by what you cram down his throat and what you hit him in the head with. Amen. Amen. You make the devil a believer by you telling him what to do morning, noon, and night. And even when he's not around, find him and tell him to do it anyway. Yeah, you're still not ready for me. I've only been back for a little bit. Open your Bibles to the book of Hebrews. The second chapter is where we'll start tonight. Hallelujah. It's good to be back in England. That's going to be saved, spirit-filled, and wild, building great churches all over its country. Amen. I was listening to Pastor Colin teach at the 5 o'clock hour. Do you know that Pastor Colin is one of the best Bible teachers in the world? I think sometimes you're, you're in a church like this and you're so familiar with everything, it almost becomes commonplace and, and you don't have a, a present value on it. So I guess one of the jobs I get to do is remind you of how blessed you are with Pastor Colin and Pastor Bruce and all the different ones that teach and minister here. Don't take them for granted. And don't say, I'm going to watch the BBC News. Come to church and learn good news. Amen. Amen. So you can overcome the bad news and all the negative out there. The Word of God gives you the ability to live on top of the world. If you don't have the Word of God, you live in the world and in the world. Amen. We have a, a great verse in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1. So I'd like to start and we'll see where we go. Therefore we ought to give a more earnest heed to the things that we have heard. Lest at any time we should let them slip. Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed. Hebrews 2, 1. To the things that we have heard. All through the New Testament especially. The different gospel writers. Paul, Peter, the writer of Hebrews. Makes comments about reminding the people that they are writing to of things that they've been taught. One of the great mistakes in the Christian life, and sometimes it's not a willful mistake, it's a, a casualty of busyness, we forget things we've been taught. Things that we know to be the truth. Things that we have walked in that have changed our life, got us our miracles, got us out of our troubles and back on top. And because we got busy doing life, busy doing other things, things slip from our memories. Psalms 103 says, Forget not all of his benefits, 
Well, if you forget them, you can't have them. What you forget won't work for you. What you don't remember, what you don't do, on purpose, willfully, boldly, unashamedly, won't work for you. And all through the Gospels and all through the Epistles, we're told over and over, I put you in remembrance. I remind you. I call you to remembrance. Why do they keep saying that? Because the people of their day are like the people of our day. They kept forgetting. They kept forgetting what caused them victory last month. What got them healed last year. What saved their marriage ten years ago. What made their sick child grow up and become a normal football player. They forgot that. They vaguely remember it. Like I say again, Psalms 103 says, Don't forget all of the benefits. You know, somebody says, well, I serve the Lord. Well, I do too. And I like the benefits of serving Jesus. I know there are times when the devil buffets us and society doesn't understand us and criticizes us as a Christian family, but they're not God. So their word shouldn't be as big as God's word in your heart. And so we say, well, I, I, I don't like the benefits. I like all the benefits. I like every benefit that's mine. I want it today. I want it now. I want it big. I want it loud. I don't want a British. Nice and quiet. I want it loud, bold, in your face. Either it excites you or intimidates you. Either way, it's your fault. Amen? I learned early in my life when God blesses you, don't let somebody take the joy of the blessing away from you because they get mad at what he blesses you with. Remember when my church bought me a brand new BMW. 740, the big stretch one. They gave it to me. $73,000 worth. I took it. <laughs> when somebody gives you a gift like that, you don't go, huh? Yes, thank you very much. <laughs> you know, that was probably the, the biggest gift that I've ever received personally in my life so far. I, I'm ready for another one. <laughs> and uh, they kept me in the upper part of my office, and I, I couldn't know why the ushers kept distracting me from going down to be in the service, and I thought, it's time for church, and to me, church starts on time. And um, so they kept distracting me and distracting me and distracting me and asking me stupid questions, and I got irritated because I don't like stupid questions, especially when the guy asking nobody knows the answer. And um, so they finally walked me down, and in the middle of, the, uh, of our church, right in front of the pulpit, because we had a big door, they drove the car in and put it right in the middle of the church with a big red bow on top. And I thought, whose car is that? And they said, yours. And then I hugged it. <laughs> and I drove it around for the next two days at our, at our camp meetings when they gave it to us. Gave it to me. And um, then the guy walked in about two days later and says, I don't like your car. I said, I don't care. It's my car. <laughs> he said, a pastor should have that kind of car. I said, you're not Jesus, so shut up. <laughs> Jesus gave me this car along with the people of my church who put their money in my bucket. And they gave me this car, so I'm going to beep the horn and enjoy it. You want to sit and hear it? And he came to steal the joy of one of the benefits of serving Jesus. One of the perks for going through hell for Jesus on earth. When God gives you a blessing, don't apologize for it. And don't let some crazy Christian or somebody else take the joy of whatever God gives you away from you. Enjoy it and rub their nose in it. Amen. If God gives you a car, beat the horn for a week. If he gives you a new flat, have a house party for a month. 
If he gives you a nice watch, make sure it can be seen everywhere you go. If he gives you a nice trip somewhere in the world, take lots of pictures and keep them in your pocket and show everybody. You say, well, uh, what would they think? I hope that they'll get inspired to believe for themselves. See, a testimony is one that should say to you, if God did that for them, he can do it for me or even something different and better. So I like testimonies. When I hear people say, God did this for them or God did it for this church or this business, I think, woo, if he did that for them, what can he do for me? And you sit there and let God give you a vision so you know what he wants to do for you. And when it shows up, enjoy it. Write a book about it and give it away. Amen? We live in a moment in our world today when most of the news that we hear is news that is very sad and negative. The Western democracies are in economic trouble. Our nations are in so much debt they don't know how to get out of it. There's war talk in the Middle East. Conflict in other parts of the world. We, the body of Christ, sit in the middle of this world moment. And if we're not careful, the spirit of this moment and the news announcers and the talk around our tables and our coffee shops will begin to govern our emotion and govern our activity and begin to cause us to withdraw from society in our post out of fear, out of worry, out of concern and will begin to disappear from the marketplace of society. Tonight I want to take you through some scriptures to remind you of some of the things that God said that belongs to you and I. This is probably some things you've heard before, but sometimes it's good to hear them again. I want us to go to the book of Deuteronomy, the 28th chapter for a moment. Because our God has one thing planned for every one of us. Total victory and joy. Write that down. Total victory and joy is God's plan for my life. Even in the midst of economic crisis in the world, even Middle Eastern talk of war, all the other troubles you may be aware of, it might be true, it might just be talk, but we believe something that is older, stronger, and been tried. In Deuteronomy 28 is known as the blessing chapter and the cursing chapter. If you're a child of God, the curse part, don't worry about it. You're in the blessing part. Say, I'm a blessed person. All blessings belong to me. And I want them all now. I want them all now. 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 Faith is now. All right. See, well, whenever they come, they won't come with that kind of talk. Well, whenever they come, they don't come like that. If you talk like that, that's why you don't have many blessings. You talk now. Faith is a now talk. So in Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 1, everybody got a Bible? If you don't, look on the person next to you so you can read it with me. Keep your Bibles out because we're going to look at scriptures tonight. It shall come to pass. There's your promise. It shall come to pass for you. You and your family. If, uh oh, condition. If, if you will hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord your God. Uh, I don't the word diligently. Uh, that is how you're supposed to listen. 
not casually, not by accident, but by giving special attention to hear what God is saying. Sometimes you've got to refocus your heart, your hearing ability of your spirit. Sometimes you've got to ignore what is so loud in the natural to hear the calm, peaceful voice of God. You shall hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord, your God. Who's God? Your God. What's your God's name? Jesus. See, I'm about four of you said that. Do you know who your God's name is? <laughs> Tell me. Jesus. All right, about half of you know. The rest of you are still trying to figure it out. No wonder you're in trouble. If you don't know who your God is, then some goofy thing will come by and try to be your Lord. You better know that your God is Jehovah. His son is Jesus and he sent the Holy Ghost. And there's only three of them. Not one, not two, not four, three. And they're all alive and they're nice. Is the balcony awake? Are you sure? No sleeping on the last row up there. Hearken to the Lord your God. I'm glad to know that Jesus is my friend. He's my Savior. Father God is my Father. And He likes me a whole lot. He loves me a whole lot. You see, how can you say that? Watch me do it again. God loves me a whole lot. See, I wouldn't say that. That's because you're ignorant. You don't know your God like you should. Everyone should be as bold and unashamed to tell everybody how you know God and how God loves you and how God's for you and God's out to do good things for you with no shame and no variance in your voice. You say, well, I'm trying to be humble. That's not humble. That's stupid. Know your God and know how He loves you. Amen. Know the voice of the Lord your God. To observe and to do. To observe and to do all of His commandments. Which I've commanded you this day. That the Lord God will set you on high. Above all the nations of the earth. One of the first blessings is high living. Write that down. God does not want you to live below anything. He has no government below. Except for what's below stays below. And that should be the devil under your feet. Amen. Cheers. The Lord thy God will set thee on, a high, on high above all the nations. The New Testament says we're seated in heavenly places. Where do you sit? High places. You're not in low valleys. You're not in prison. You're not in dungeons. You're not in despair. You're in a high place. Above all the craziness of nations and their weird leaders. All these blessings, verse 2 shall come on you. Uh, make sure what comes on you is the right thing. Well, I just take whatever comes. Uh-uh. Mm -mm. Some things come down London streets you shouldn't accept. Some things that come down on the phone lines you shouldn't accept. Some things that come across your internet you shouldn't accept. Some things and some people you're talking to at Starbucks you shouldn't accept what they say or the attitude they say it in. He have the right to go, no, no, die for me. 
whether to be offended, you want depression or freedom. Take charge of your life and don't let everything that comes down come on you. He says that all the blessings shall come on you. That's what I want. I'm a blessing taker. That's what comes over me, comes around me, and lives all over me. I want them all. If it's not blessing from heaven, I'm rejecting it. How do you reject it? You say no to it. And you don't accept it. You don't think about it. You don't welcome it. And you don't invite it over for dinner. Some of you have stupid friends. You invite over. They've not changed in 20 years. Honey, they're not going to change. Some of these folks are set in those sad negative things. And you're trying to be a light. Send them a Bible. And set yourself free from listening to their vomit of unbelief spewing all over you and filling you full of doubt and worry and concern. Learn to stand up for yourself and stand up for what's right. I'm going to receive all the blessings shall come on me. Shall come on me. Shall come on me. Shall come on me. And overtake me. And I like that one. They chased me down and get me. The Bible says in Psalm 23, goodness and mercy follows me, not dead and disease. What's behind me? Goodness and mercy. What's behind me? Blessings coming to overtake me and bless me really good. <laughs> I'm just reading you the Bible because you forgot this. I know you know it generically, but tonight I don't give it to you specifically. He says, if you will hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, uh, just hear him and do what he says. That's what it means to hearken. You don't need to vote on it. Or call three prophets. Just do what he says in the word and be happy. You shall be blessed, verse 3. When you're in London. That's the city. I just came from Tampa, Florida. It's real nice there. We don't believe in snow there. We have white sand, not little snowflakes. But I'm blessed in London or in Tampa or in Moscow. Wherever I go, the blessings overtake me in the city. I'm blessed when I'm out in the country in the field. Wherever I go, I'm blessed. I can land in a depressed state and I'll start prospering. I can land in any place in the world and start succeeding because blessings overtake me whether I'm in the city or in the field. How about you? So, well, Brother Roberts, when I came to this city, tough times came. You let the wrong thing come on you. Verse 4. Blessed shall you be in the fruit of thy body. That means your children will be real cute and happy and healthy. No sick babies. Happy babies. Fat little cheek babies. You know British babies have those little red cheeks? Ever seen them? Happy little babies. That cry when they're supposed to and laugh when they're supposed to and run and crawl and have fun and make you happy. Blessed in the fruit of your body. And I'm blessed in the fruit of the ground. Now, 
in this verse, we don't live like this in London. I'm going to read it to you, then I'm going to give you the Lerton translation. In thy ground, the fruit of thy cattle, the increase of thy kind, and the flocks of the sheep. Anybody have any sheep here? Thank God. I don't like sheep. I like lamb to eat, and that's about all I want to do with them. I like cows that are cut out in hamburgers. I don't want to feed one or have to own one. But back in these days, prosperity and wealth was talked about in these terms. So their livelihood, their job, the way they made their living was talked like this. So in other words, it says, the work that you do, whatever you do shall prosper. If you're a computer company, sell those babies. You're in a telling firm, lots of clients for you with a lot of money to pay you. Increase. Notice those words. Increase. Increase. And fruitful. Increase. I like that word increase. It's the opposite of decrease. That means you get more. You increase. I love the Bible. It's a prosperity book. So I don't believe in prosperity. The Bible does, so you're in the wrong book. Well, I don't believe it. That's why you're broke. What you believe shows up. What you don't believe never comes by your house. Not even a postcard. You're still not ready. I'm not on verse 5. Blessed shall they be in the basket and in the store. Blessed shall they be when you come in and when you go out. How many came in someplace today? How many went out someplace today? You should be blessed. That's called a good blessing. I get blessed going in, I get blessed going out. What's happening to you? I'm being blessed going in, I'm being blessed going out. Well, what about me? I don't know what you're believing. I know what you're letting come on you. But I'm taking the blessing chapter of Deuteronomy 28 as my testimony. That happens to me now. Not 10 years from now. Now. See, if you say, one day never shows up. Write that down. If you want, one day I'll be blessed. One day my business. No, one day never shows up. All those people say, one day I'll be healed. They died. I know that sounds rude, but it's true. You receive by faith, not by hope. Did you get that, sir? Say amen when I preach. I didn't come back to England to look at a white little crowd. I'm on amens. Whether you like me or not. If you don't amen me, I'm going to preach till 11 o'clock. If I don't get more amens, I'll preach till midnight. It's scriptural. Paul preached till midnight. I have a verse. Good evening, everybody. I'm blessed when I come into a place. I'm blessed when I walk out of a place. The Lord shall cause your enemies that rise up against you to be smitten before your beautiful little face. Woo! Hallelujah for that one. You better watch out, enemies of Robert Slayerton. I'm going to watch you get smitten before my face. It's just verse 7. All I'm doing is reading the Bible. Look what happens when you read the Bible. You start getting happy. And that stupid stuff starts dying. 
my enemies, your enemies that come against me will be smitten before my face. They shall come against me. I love this. They'll come against me one way, but they'll leave in seven different directions when they get through with me. Mm. I feel Pentecostal now. I might do a Jericho run in a minute. Bring your enemies. Your enemies, whatever they may be. Whoever they may be. That rise up. Now, some of these are smart. They, they don't like you and they stay quiet in the corner. They just stay quiet in the corner. But there are some that are aggressive. You've had aggressive enemies? I've had a lot of them. In lots of countries. I'm still here. They rose up against me. Be reminded. When the enemies come against you, they'll be smitten down by God. They'll come at you in one direction. And when God gets to them, they'll be running in terror in seven different directions away from you. Whoa! Hallelujah! It's not just a preaching thing. It's a truth. Believe it. And let God do it for you. Let the enemies of your family, of your soul, of your life, they rise up. Double dog dare, as we say in Texas. You know what that means? A double dog dare? That means you get the meanest dog in town here. Double dog them. That dog becomes double mad. I dare you to touch me. I dare you to take that little tongue of yours and start rising up against me. Come on, I double dog dare you. I don't have to do it. I get to watch. Because my God comes over the top of me. And comes over the top of you and goes out to your enemy and smites them and they leave in seven different directions and terror from your life. Don't forget these blessings. Mm, I could just preach that one for a while. Seven ways. Count them. One, two, three, four, five, and they all start running. Take pictures. And make that a postcard. Verse 8. The Lord shall command the blessing. Upon thee in the storehouses, and all that you set as thy hand unto, the Lord God shall bless it in the land that the Lord has given to you. Amen. Guaranteed success when you do what God wants you to do. That what you set your hand to do, that the God will give a command blessing to make sure that that thing that you're doing works, succeeds, and triumphs. What you set your hand to do that is right, God will defend. And God will make sure that it succeeds for you and your family and our great church here. Amen. We don't have to worry about failure, defeat, and despair. Our God says He will cause that which you put your hand to do to work, to prosper, and to succeed. So let every British person get rid of their negative failure spirit and start taking Deuteronomy 28 success spirit inside of them. Smile, lady. This is a good sermon if I say so myself. Unless you're my enemy. And then, uh, then that's your fault. First eight again. Everybody sort of got your Bible out? 
The Lord shall command the blessing upon you in thy storehouse. Upon thee in the storehouses. In all that thou settest thine hand unto. He shall bless thee in the land which the Lord God shall give thee. If your land is London, be blessed. If your land is a business someplace and wherever it is, be blessed. Everybody else may go down, but you have to go up. There's only one way for the Christian, and that is up, up, and away. Be reminded that down and up is not God's plan. Blessed and forward moving is God's plan. Verse 9. The Lord shall make you be established as a holy people unto himself. God likes you, even when you're goofy. You know, he's going to establish you as a holy people unto himself. He knows humans are crazy. He has seen a lot of them over time. That's why he sent Jesus to fix the fall of man. And brought grace to us. That we can live this great life under truth and grace. Not law and judgment. He said, as he has sworn unto you. If you shall keep these commandments of the Lord thy God and walk in his ways, all the people of the earth shall see that thou art called by the name of the Lord, and they'll be afraid of you. Mm. Who's afraid? Not you. Fear is not part of God's spirit to come into you. Fear is of the devil. We're bold, Proverbs 28.1 says. The righteous are as bold as a lion and the wicked flee when no man pursues them. They'll be afraid of you. All the people, verse 10, this is your life. All the people of the earth shall see. Thou art called by the name of the Lord and they'll be afraid of you. Now, if you're part of God's family, you'll be happy with them. Because the same thing will be on you. I've had people, I remember one time I was in Minnesota, up in the Iron Range in Minnesota, preaching in a little conference we used to put on those little country towns. And we went up to the hotel to check in the team, and the lady at the clerk goes, I don't like you! I thought I have a American Express card. I'm buying ten rooms. You're a hotel. You should at least be nice to me. I said, well, I don't like you either. You know what that means? Just tell them the truth. She said, well, I said, no, not well. We made reservations. I want my rooms. I don't like you. I said, I told you I don't care. I don't like you either. My secretary in those days was a young African-American girl. She's a good secretary, but she didn't know how to do things spiritually. It freaked her out most of the time when she traveled with us. She goes, I've worked for two churches, but nothing like you. I'm scared to go anywhere with you. She says, now I like to see God do things to you, but people react at you in all kinds of strange places. I said, it's just devils and stupidness. She said, rise up and enjoy it. It's a devil reacting to authority. So why don't you just uh, apologize? Apologize for what? I didn't do nothing. I walked in the Bible in my rooms. I'm not going to apologize for being normal. Than being blessed. It's her problem she had fear and her demons didn't like me. 
I'm in charge of the spirit wherever I go, like you are. I'm not a victim. I'm not a side party. I'm a main attraction. You're a main attraction too. Every devil knows when you walk through the door. Oh. Devils recognize who you are, especially if you know who you are. Some of you don't know who you are. That's why devils beat you up. They don't react at you. You hear these stories from other people and other people go, Wow, I like that. Learn something and you might have a reaction. And don't apologize for it. He apologized too much in England. I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm sorry when I'm wrong. But if I'm not wrong, I'm not sorry. And I'm not going to say it. Well, you want peace? Not with the devil and stupidity. I want peace with God. Before I want peace with any British person. Or anybody else. Verse 11. The Lord shall make you prettiest in goods. That means you prosper, baby. Everybody say prosper. prosper. Say, I love to prosper. prosper. See, I, I, the <laughs> Everybody say, I love to prosper. prosper. Alright. Make sure the devil knows it. Make sure your head knows it. Make sure your heart knows it. Make sure the atmosphere around your house knows it. You're a prosperity person. You're not a poverty debt person. The Lord God will make you piteous and good. Oh, he didn't say peace. He didn't say spiritual joy. He said goods, material things. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. All the religious people get mad now. Well, I'm not into material things. That's why you don't have any. It's amazing. You read a verse like this where it just plainly says, The Lord will make you plenteous. Plenteous in goods. Well, I don't want them. Well, I'll take your goods then. If you don't want what God's shipping to your house, just put a little new address on it and I'll take it over to my house. Come on. Pull your head out of sand. And start receiving the plenteous of goods. In the fruit of your body, the fruit of thy cattle, the fruit of thy ground, and the land which the Lord God has sworn to thy fathers to give you. Some of you need to start getting the inheritance from your lazy ancestors. All right, let me preach that. Because y'all went, mm. You know, everybody's got a family. I got one. You've got one. We all like our families. In every family, we got good things. And we got stupid stuff. Ken Hagen used to say, everybody talks about their family tree and all they ever produced was a bunch of nuts. <laughs> Some of you need to take an axe to your family tree, chop it down and plant a new one so you can start producing fruit that's good for the, the future. And some of you look at your, your family heritage and say, what did God promise your family? What was the word of the Lord that God gave to your family? Well, it might have been three generations old. Because everybody kept laughing at it. <laughs> it's amazing what people laugh at at the dinner table or at Christmas time. Listen to them. Grandpa used to say this. <laughs> what did he say? He may be surprised it was the promise of God that was given to his father. When we don't have it because you're not going for it. 
My family's been called to preach. I can't be a doctor, even though I wanted to be. I have to preach. I kind of like it. Especially in England. I like you. I like preaching to KT. And all those that are watching me by camera that are scared to come. We're all preachers. I didn't have a choice. I was born called. Now I could have been a rebellious person. And you know, I don't want to be this. I want to be something else. And live a mediocre life. How many of you are living a mediocre life? Because you don't know the promise of God that came to your family. And some of you when you heard your family talk about the promise or that visitation or that unusual event they laughed at it I went I don't know what it was it's very easy whatever it was is what it is you don't need to have a Greek word to figure it out like I told one lady just the other day I said you're called to preach just like your dad and your brother is and she goes I don't want to I said well that's your problem I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to. Why don't you want to? Because you're rebellious. You're arrogant. Stubborn. Don't let me like that. I know it's true. I haven't been in ministry for 30 years and not know humans. And then they want to go to a counseling room with me. Rebellious. Stubborn. Arrogant. I won't submit to God's plan. You won't submit to His great wisdom. Who knows the past, the present, and the future. And reached into his world of blessing and calling. And deposited into you and your family this great thing. I don't want it. Ah, stupid. You're telling God you don't want what he thinks is yours from his great wisdom. You think you're smarter than Jehovah? Mm. Don't look at me like that. Good preaching, Brother Roberts. Amen. <laughs> He swore unto thy fathers. He swore it. God swore that this is what he will give to you. And to the generations after you. My grandmother told me, probably every month, if not every day, God called this family to be preachers. You can't be anything else. Don't run from it like my other sons did. I said, Grandma, my uncles are nice. Yeah, but they didn't obey God. That's why they suffer. Oh, I'm five years old. I'm eight years old. My mother, my grandmother, starts instilling in me early. Obey! Don't be like your uncles. Your uncles are nice people. They love Jesus. To a point. They love him enough to go to heaven and get out of certain crises. But as for obeying him and doing the swear unto our family, uh, they didn't. I would decide when I was a little boy, how am I going to be like my uncles? I like them, but I can't I'm going to be like them. I can like you and not be like you. I can appreciate you. I can love you and not follow you in certain things. One of my uncles got a divorce when he was 
First ordained is the Sims of God preacher. Now, if you were raised Sims of God and know anything much about them, they're, they're, they're good people. They were better in the past, though. And um, if you get a divorce, especially as a Sims of God minister, you can't even preach again. It's almost like it's a, a death sentence to ministry. Well, he was a Sims of God minister, and his wife ran off from him and divorced him. You know, I've thought about this a thousand times. You can kill your wife and preach again at the Assembly of God minister. <laughs> but if you divorce, you can't preach again. I think there's something wrong with this picture. Maybe it's just me, but you might want to think about it. And if you're a part of a stupid dumb denomination like that, move! And go someplace where they have common sense and spirituality that can lift you up and bless you and not bind you and curse you and put you in prison. And you can tell them I said so. I'll take the heat. See, so you're like, mm. I'm not scared of denominations. They're just big groups with a loud mouth. My God's bigger. She comes over with it. Takes them out in seven different directions. You don't have to be scared of anything. I fought them before. But he gave up. Just because a group don't like you anymore don't mean it's over. Just because a group of people, maybe 200, 2,000, they don't like you anymore. There are 7 billion people in the world. Go meet the rest of them. Amen. Hello. See, notice how many aren't clapping now. Like <laughs> After Lucifer, the meanest thing going is religious people. They'll put you in prison and take you to church. All right, well, so that float around your head for a week. <clears throat> I determined up in my life I was going to obey God all the way or nothing. Everything he swore to my family is mine. Whether any of my cousins gives it or not, that's their problem. As for me, it's mine. My cousins sometimes laugh at me. You act just like your grandmother. Woo! Praise the Lord. She died blessed. I was a part of her inheritance. She said, I left pastoring the church that my husband and her pastored to the smallest church I ever had. She'd tell people when she used to preach with me. My smallest church was Robert and his sister Priscilla. And that woman pastored us morning, noon, and night, and at midnight. She never stopped praying, preaching, and telling us what's right and wrong, morning, noon, and night. And when we got off the bus, she started at us again. She was determined that she didn't treat her kids that way because that's why they screwed up. She was determined that at least her grandkids would get it right because she was a nice mother. She wasn't nice with me. She was aggressively pleasant. How's that for a combination? Every day I come home from school, we'd walk a mile because my grandmother walked every day for exercise and she waited for me. I come home to school about 2.30, 3 o'clock by the time the bus got there. I run inside and change my school clothes and put on my trainers or tennis shoes as we call them. We'd walk around that mile. We were known as the old lady and the young boy until they knew our names because we did it every day. And my grandmother told me stories about the Bible about her life, the family, God, and everything that was right, wrong, and weird with our tribe. Over and over. 
over and over. Over. Old people tell it over and over because you don't get it the first 5,000 times. You think you do because I know my story. No, you don't because if you did, you wouldn't act like that. 